Hello everyone, it's Lau from Mentality Podcast. It's good to be back after an unexpected break. So first of all, let me say sorry for disappearing without giving you any notice. My excuse is that a lot was happening in my personal life in spring and I realized that I had to take some time off to just look after myself. But you know what? Now I'm back, so keen to hear from you. How was your summer? Any highlights you want to share? At least from my end, I can say that one highlight was last month. I had a great opportunity that I'm incredibly grateful to deliver a TEDx talk. Yes, a TEDx talk on what it means to be a good man. So if you want to check out the talk, uh, you can do that. It's going to be in the caption of this episode. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity. I met some incredible people. I've been inspired by some of them. You might hear from some of them in the near future, some possible collabs. And I have some long overdue updates for you guys on the Inside Out Awards. In previous episodes, I mentioned that I've been shortlisted for the Future Leader Award and MAN for the Best Men's Health Initiative. Well, let me tell you how it went. It was great to attend the awards and see other people win. Despite not coming home with any award, it's an achievement for a young platform like MAN to be part of the race among well-established organizations like Deutsche Bank and nationwide the winners for the respective categories. So well done to all the winners. It's been an inspiring evening to see so many organizations championing mental health in workplaces and beyond. But speaking about Inside Out Awards, I had the privilege there to meet one of the co-founders of the Words, a DJ who uses music to raise awareness about mental health and there's no other than Rob Stevenson. So surprise, surprise, Rob is speaking with me in this episode about this, music and mental health. There you go. This is Mentality Podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about healthy masculinities. I'm your host, Lao Jokan, and throughout this podcast, we'll hear from a wide range of guests about the views and the experience of manhood. We'll look at the bits we should celebrate, but also its messy parts, while having a bit of a laugh. So welcome everyone, we're back to Mentality Podcast, and today I have the pleasure to talk to Rob Stevenson. He's the leading voice speaking about the relationship between music and mental health, and mainly expressing that via house music. Absolutely great choice, if you ask me. He's also the CEO of Former Score and the founder of the Inside Out Leaderboard. You remember Inside Out, I've mentioned a few times the nominations that myself and my platform has been this year. Another thing you should know about Rob is that he's a fellow TEDx speaker, a mental health campaigner, a keynote speaker, and a facilitator. Rob, it's great to be here with you and I'm delighted. Before we start, is there anything else you want to share about yourself? Lau, thanks for having me. I think the most important context to, to give your, your listeners is I also experienced my own mental health challenge of bipolar disorder, as it's known. And really, everything you've just mentioned starts from there, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more. But I think I've, in the last seven years, been really trying to make a difference on mental health and well-being to help people think differently about it. I'm really keen on helping men think differently about managing their well-being and seeking help when they're struggling with their mental health. But this all came from me being more open about my own specific challenges of bipolar. Thanks so much for sharing that. It's great, great insight. And I think it's great for more men to be open about who they are with different sides of themselves. So Rob, 
Why don't we start talking about the passion you have for music, house music, and your experience with well-being and mental health? For sure, yeah. So music has always been a big part of my life. When I was a kind of teenager, I was into kind of R&B, New Jack Swing, when that was coming through. And I used to go to clubs and dance. And I played basketball at that time as well in Birmingham, which is a big city in the UK. And so the type of music I was into was kind of like urban music through my basketball friends. And it was always a big part of my life. And then I remember losing a job once. I'd left PwC, the big accounting firm, and I, I was due to do this investment banking job. And they called me up and when I was on kind of working my notice and they said, Rob, there's no job for you. We've just sacked your boss, but have £10,000 tax-free. We don't need to give it to you, but we're sorry what we've done to you. And so I thought, I'm going to learn to DJ. And so I bought a pair of record decks, a pair of Technics. I'd got a friend who was a DJ. And while I was looking for a new job, I'd spend you know, some time looking for a job and some time learning to DJ. And that was my introduction to becoming a DJ. And uh, I just loved it. And then when I started playing music to people and seeing the joy that you can create by playing the right track at the right time, I was just hooked. I was sold. And so through my kind of late 20s and my 30s, I was a DJ playing bars and clubs. I owned my own bars in London. And it was a huge part of my life. Since then, it's always been important to me, but it kind of took a back seat. I became a cyclist and I was really into my exercise through my 40s. And alongside all of this, I was coming to terms with my mental health challenges of bipolar, depression, hypermania. And music for me played a part, and we can talk more about the science behind this, of managing my mood. But what I what I found was that when I was you know, kind of exercising and, and cycling a lot, that was the primary way that I kind of looked after my depression and looked after my bipolar because exercise, as we know, is a very important part of our well-being. It's a bit of a long story. So I learned to manage my mental health challenge pretty effectively. I was diagnosed when I was 30. I had some pretty dark times where I tried to end my life, where I'd lost hope and it was a sense of futility. But with the love of close friends, family, and, and some people who really cared about me, I learned to manage my condition also with the help of therapy and medication. And over the next 15 years, I became pretty good at managing this condition with exercise and music being a key part of that, as well as the clinical stuff. But I did so under the radar now with only those close friends knowing about it. I often tell the joke, I used to put physiotherapy in my diary every time I'd go and see my therapist for years. My team must have thought I had the worst physiotherapist in the history of physiotherapy that could not fix this back injury. And yet I'm still yeah, doing 160 kilometer bike rides and talking about those at the weekend. It kind of didn't make sense. So I decided to share my story, which I did in 2017, in a fairly awkward Facebook post. And the reaction to that really changed my life and, and, and led me to become a campaigner and do all of the things in mental health and well-being that I do now. Because I learned that so many people in my immediate network, friends, a family member, team members, experience their own mental health challenge, but do so in silence because of stigma. And that really motivated me to think, right, I want to make a difference. So my charity, Inside Out, my tech app, Form Score, all of the public speaking that I do, all came from that desire to try and make the world a mentally healthier place that is free of stigma. And I realize I'm talking a lot, so I'll pause there, but I can then also tell you the story of how music and mental health kind of became very prominent for me in, in the last year or so. Great, great story, Rob. Thank you for being open. A few things that I connect with your story, 
yes, when I was a teenager, similar to you, I was into urban music and I really enjoyed it. It helped me go through my teenage periods and just mm. to process that and relate to the music. And I think similar to you, one way that I can process and helps me to kind of stay, I want to say sane, because it's, but it's more stay focused, to kind of process my thoughts is recycling. Well, you know, to give your physiotherapist a benefit of that, like after 160 kilometers of cycling on the weekend, probably your back might need a bit of help. True. <laughs> but nevertheless, I, I get your story because for me, it was as hard as sometimes to just be open about my challenges or maybe the challenges I had with my views towards masculinity, towards mental health and being open. For example, I'm going to therapy to help me process my own feelings but i think yeah let's hear more about the science between well-being and music and also more about your story yeah thank you love so it is a bit more of a story so when when the pandemic hit very early on my, my wife and i both contracted covid and for me it was a mild experience i had some light breathing difficulties that didn't last very long and so i thought okay that was me that was covid that's done and then as I started to kind of try and exercise again and get back on my indoor bike, I found that every time that I, I stressed my body physically, I would then get very bad fatigue afterwards. And I realized as, as the research started to come out and people started to talking about it, I'd got something called long COVID, which is the kind of post-viral challenges of COVID. So and what happens, it goes into your blood vessels and it just attacks your body everywhere. And so for me, every time I try and exercise, I would get headaches, fatigue, nausea. So I couldn't really ride my bike or exercise for about three years. Now, as I was, I was just telling you and, and we were talking, cycling for me was the way that I stayed well. It was the way that I would get over depression. It was the way that I would use the energy of hypermania. And I thought, wow, this is going to really make me depressed, you know, that I can't exercise. And it made me pretty sad, right? I remember seeing cyclists in the summer thinking, I wish that was me. And what I found, though, unconsciously, I started reaching back into my passion for music music started to replace cycling as the thing that kept me well. And I remember starting buying more DJ tunes again, more house tunes. I started, I bought the equipment and I started doing some, you know, some casting of, of shows on Facebook. And then when the world opened up, I started looking for DJ gigs and playing in bars and clubs again. So at the age of 51, I've rekindled my passion for being, being a DJ. And this got me kind of curious as to the effect of music on the brain. And at the same time, there's a, a, an artist that I've been following now for over about 18 months called Fred again, Fred Gibson. And, and Fred again manages to capture emotion into his music really, really well. And it is just a very beautiful thing to see this emotion, his kind of personal diaries, his nights out captured into his songs. And so these two things made me think, could I do something with music and public speaking as a kind of performance, as a show to help people, particularly men, but people generally think differently about mental health and well-being? And as I started looking into the research, there's loads of positive effects of music on the brain. And, and I think we all probably know this. Music can help boost your mood. Sometimes if we're feeling low, we might play an uplifting track. It can improve motivation. You know, sometimes if we're feeling a bit flat, we might play a tune that picks us up a little bit. Or music can help us concentrate. It can help us sleep better. It can help manage stress. And again, often we might play some calming music if we want to come down from a stressful event. So there's a whole bunch of 
scientific studies that show that music can have a really positive effect on the brain. So what I've done is put together a show that talks about some of these things and, and educates people and inspires people as to how they might use music, because it's really interesting. If we use music intentionally to boost our mood, that has a much greater effect than if we just use music organically to do the same. If you think, right, I've got a playlist of mood-boosting tracks. I'm feeling a bit low today. I'm going to go and listen to these tracks that I know lift me up. That has a much bigger effect on boosting mood than if we just listen to what was on the radio or whatever. And so I share all of this, but then I also have developed, so using some DJ skills and some DJ equipment, some really interesting ways of using music as a metaphor to explain things like anxiety or depression or hypermania. And I think you saw my hypermania smashing together of 30 classic house samples. But, you know, it's also explaining what a well-being habit, building a well-being habit and layering looks like. And so I've got the show called Harmonizing the Mind that is part educational, part public speaking, part fun music performance, part then helping people build their well-being playlist. Because music literally has helped me avoid deep, deep depression when cycling and exercise was taken away from me by long COVID. And so the, the idea behind the show is to help people understand the power of music on our mind. Thank you again for the insight into your story. Similar to you, like I discovered my passion for cycling because then I bought a bike because I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't do anything. I was locked in my flat. But then because the roads were quite free, everybody was at home, they weren't driving. I discovered my passion for cycling. You probably that slip of a tongue when I said cycling kept me sane. It's just to process what I was going through, the pain and the emotions and so on. So it's absolutely exercise and in this case, cycling a good, good way. But also music, it's, it's a powerful tool. I recognize it myself. If I want to music, I can use it as a friend in the sense that, yes, yeah, something unpleasant has happened. And I want to listen to something that connects to my mood instead of trying to lift me up. It's like, I need somebody who understands me. Oh, this song really speaks to me. And as you said, absolutely, when I put a house music tune, I'm ready to go to the gym. I'm ready to start the day. It really lifts up my mood and my spirit. I feel it's such a good energy and mood booster. And one thing that I also picked up in, in a study was very interesting looking at the lyrics. They were saying, for example, men or women listen to music that has lyrics that it's a bit negative towards the other gender. Then you start to view the, the opposite gender in the same way. For example, if there's a man listening to misogynistic lyrics, you start to maybe relate differently or see women differently. So it's important to be aware of that. But nevertheless, as you said, it's such a important and great tool to use. Yeah, I think that's important. And there's one specific study that does back that up. You know, I like to use the word being intentional about our well-being a lot, and it, it implies to it applies to music. And I think if we can start to build playlists for different moods, a few tracks that boost mood, a few tracks that give energy, a few tracks that help with motivation, a few tracks that help with concentration. And then we can use those playlists to think, okay, I need to calm down here. So what is my stress management playlist? What does that look like? And, and you've got then resources that you know these, these tracks can transport your mind to a different place. That is really powerful. And that's being deliberate or being intentional aspect of it. And I, and I think it's really powerful because I think we're all kind of use music subconsciously to do these things. But then you bring intent to it. I think the power is amplified. Absolutely spot on. The performance you put together, I think is really brilliant. And I like how you bring the step of the beats, how the tune is created. Mm. It's showing how sometimes our mood, our well-being function is structured and helps us to be able to cope throughout the day. 
or more difficult period. And I think it's really insightful for us to be aware of the baby steps that are behind our mind because then we can engage better with it to just be more present in the moment. And I think it for us men is how we can be more in tune with our inner world to be a better presence for ourselves, but also for those around us. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You know, and I think the building the well-being habit and taking the small steps, it's interesting because I think if you're not used to managing your well-being, it can feel quite daunting, right? And I think people and men particularly can think, well, you know, what's all this well-being stuff? Do I need to go and meditate for an hour? Do I need to run a marathon? Do I need to swim the English Channel? Do I need to go to do this, do that? Actually, the hardest part of starting a well-being journey is the first step. But that step can be really small. And, you know, I use the beat to demonstrate that, the kick drum, right? Let's take one step. Let's go for a walk. Let's let's go for another one. There's another beat. Let's go for a war with a friend. There's the there's the beat and the snare. And then you build up the rhythm. With a well being habit, you are literally building up a rhythm. So I think that bit's really important. I think the other bit around music is we can use music to communicate how we're feeling with others or send a message of support. So I've got a DJ mate, you know, he's you know, one of my best mates and we regularly check in with each other and support each other we're very open but sometimes when you're down if you're experiencing depression it's very difficult for your friend to support you right because when i'm down i'm not communicative i've written a whole kind of spoken word poem around this that i can share a little bit of you in a bit if you if you're interested but it's difficult to support someone when they're in depression because depression kind of cuts them off from the world and what my friend and I do, we'll often just send each other a song choice. And so I might not be able to talk, but what I can do is listen to a piece of music that my friend has sent over. And that's really beautiful because, again, it, it enables my friend to do something. It enables me to hear something that might just lift my mood a little bit, but also know that my friend is there for me and is thinking about me. And it doesn't require much energy in that interaction because when you're depressed, as I'm sure you know, that your energy is pretty low, your ability to communicate is low. So we use music as a means of communicating and supporting each other as well. And so often I will send someone a song suggestion if I know that they're struggling, say, hey, yeah, I don't know if you're into this, but yeah, have a listen. And it's quite a nice way of connecting as well. I think it's such a creative way to keep in touch and be there for each other in a way that's supportive. It kind of reminds me of a clip that I've seen on social media with Brenna Brown. She was saying, when she goes on to her partner, they kind of have a scale from zero to a hundred. When you're a hundred, you're full of energy, you're present, you're relaxed. When you may be 40, 50, you're cranky. And then sometimes they come home, they check in like, I'm 30 today. So you know where to pick up your partner. You know where to engage with them. Yeah. In a way, it reminds me of the way you and your mate relate to each other. And definitely speaking about the spoken word, it would be great to hear that. I forgot to mention that in the intro that there's something you do as well. So, so very keen to hear that. And, uh, the same way you kind of mentioned that, hey, this is a tune that I'm listening today. Maybe this will lift up your mood when we find ourselves in different mental health challenges. Some people maybe want to open up, other people actually, quite as you said, but to just either quite redrawn. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And, you know, we all respond differently to different mental health challenges. We all manage our well-being is as personal and individual as our music preferences which is quite a nice analogy. So I think it's difficult, right? And for somebody that is experiencing a mental health challenge for the first time or coming to grips with a new diagnosis or might not even know what's going on for them, that can be difficult because they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the experience, they don't know how to manage it themselves. So certainly it's difficult to know 
what support that they might need. And then you amplify that even further when we're talking about men because of the social stereotype of what masculinity is all about, which I know you're very interested in. So finding ways that are safe to communicate between male friends, I think is really interesting. And music, I think, can play a role in that. Absolutely spot on small steps or having access to the tools to engage with you in the world and have somebody who can maybe guide you and share one tool at a time. It's really helpful. And another thing that I really enjoyed in the educational piece you do about music is the steps we take and how they have an echo through the room. Mm, yeah. So it's, it's a nice thing because as to how the tune has a bit of echo, but also how each tool that we have and we use it has an impact in the moment. But if we're constantly using that, how it can build a good habit and can carry us through the week or the month and so on. Yeah, I think it's tough for men, right? It's really tough for men. We've been socialized into a way that we're supposed to behave, you know, and I think social media, again, only amplifies that. Actually, what we need to be able to do as men is ask for help, is talk about how we're feeling, is lean into those people that are there for us and find ways to understand how we're feeling and find ways to communicate with people that care about us as to how we're feeling and seek help when we're struggling. Too many men think that a mental health challenge is weakness, and it's not. Just like cancer is not weakness, cancer is a physical challenge that you wouldn't hesitate as a man to go to the hospital to get some treatment for. But where our mental health is concerned, we are, it's often seen as weakness. And this is the perception that we need to smash, that actually being open, seeking help, being supportive, being self-aware, that's not weakness, that's strength. You know, I use music as a fun way to try and illustrate some of these concepts. But it's important. We all know about the, the male suicide statistics that are far worse than, than female suicide statistics, the biggest killer of middle-aged men in the UK. I think it's changing. I think there's a lot of advocates, there's a lot of people out there, and there's a lot of male-focused groups that are doing great work. It's really important. But I think at the fundamental core of it all, it's saying it is okay to talk about how you are feeling. You've got all these slogans like it's, it's okay to not be okay and all of that. But I don't think it is really. I think it's okay to talk about not being okay. It's okay to seek help to try and be okay or be better. But at a fundamental level, we've got great most people, um, and it's important not to generalize too much because it's a privilege, but most people have a good support network around, but they choose not to tap into that not to seek support from it because of the fear of being perceived as weak or not a man or whatever it might be. That is what we need to change. Sometimes can be so many reasons behind our mental health triggers because of trauma or plenty of other reasons. Kind of going back to our topic, how we can use, in this case, music to support us to carry us through the day, through the hour or through the week. Maybe we could hear the spoken word you mentioned earlier or maybe hear a bit of a sample from, from you in terms of DJing and some good uplifting music that people can tap into while they're listening, whatever they're doing at this moment. Yeah, absolutely. So a nice track to listen to with, with the spoken word. So the, the way I've developed the spoken word part of the project is I write some poetry around mental health and well-being that goes with a specific track, not my track, tracks that are out there. So what I'll then do is perform them over that track. So there's a track, a beautiful track, quite a kind of melodic, slow-paced track, and it's called Let You In by a, a DJ called Anna. 
Now, Anna's like a techno DJ, but she also produces this kind of eclectic, ambient type stuff and let you in is more in that category. So what I did is I listened to this track about let you in and then kind of framed my piece of spoken word around the difficulty of letting my friend in when I'm experiencing depressions. So let me just do a little bit of the spoken word for you. So it's called let you in. I want to let you in, but I don't know how. This weight is heavy. It's dragging me down. Accepting support shouldn't be so tough. My mind is a fortress, a barrier to our love. I'm trying to let you in, but I don't know why. I'm trapped in the dark with nowhere to hide. It feels so hard just to let you near. My eyes will tell the story with tears. I want to let you in, but I don't know how. I need to let you in, but I can't right now. I want to let you in, but I'm losing this fight. How will I get back to the light? My phone vibrates and it feels like doom. I close my eyes all alone in this room. Guilt makes me sick, fueling self-hate. I don't pick up, I can't handle the weight. You're used to my silence, I know you don't care. You spark my defiance, the fact that you're there. I'm sorry to ignore you, I'm not being rude. Your energy restores me, it helps see me through. I want to let you in, but I don't know how. I need to let you in, but I can't right now. I want to let you in, but I'm losing this fight. When will I get back to the light? And then things shift, so slow but a gift. A gradual change, my thoughts rearrange. I respond to a text, a call comes next, we agree to meet, I'm back on my feet. I want to let you in and I just learned how. I need to let you in and hug you right now. I'm gonna let you in because I'm winning this fight. Until my depression next smothers the light. Beautiful, beautiful. I love the play of words, the emotions that kind of takes you through the journey in the spoken word. Absolutely loved it. So thank you for sharing that, Rob. Really appreciate it. Now, I just want to move on to the wrapping up questions of the podcast. We spoke a bit about stereotypes, about masculinity, about men. And now I'd like to just hear your thoughts about what stereotypes about men you dislike the most. Yeah, I'm going to answer that. But first, I'm going to give you a, a club banger as well to play a segment of. So I was fortunate enough just to be in Ibiza and saw a favorite DJ of mine, Solomon, play in Pasha Nightclub. And there's a track that he played called Dance with Ibiza by an artist called Ugo Banshee. That will give you a very different experience of a snippet to put in the track because it just kicks off. So that one is definitely an uplifting, motivational banger. So in answer to your question, what don't I like about some of the stereotypes? I think I've covered it really a little bit. This idea that to be a man, you need to be strong and that strength is silence and strength is coping and dealing with things without seeking help. For me, I think the reverse is true. Strength is being open. Strength is being self-aware. Strength is having the confidence to share with people that care about you how you're feeling. Strength is seeking support from a friend who you know will be there for you when you're struggling with your mental health and knowing that makes you more of a man and not less of a man. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't remark being vulnerable is a strength. It was a journey for me to get there because I was seeing the idea of vulnerability literally being open and vulnerable and letting people pray in terms of your, your inner world. But I've learned that so much strength and so much courage needs to be had to be open, to share your experiences and ask for help. You kind of touched already on it, but it would be great to hear your thoughts. What will be some of the traits about healthy masculinity? I think vulnerability, authenticity, openness the ability to reflect, the commitment to be self-aware, and the knowledge that none of that makes you less than a man, as I said. I think 
I think sometimes it's courageous to focus on your well-being. And particularly, I do a lot of work in the corporate world with leaders. And I think I'll give you one really good example of the trait that I would admire. John Flint was formerly the CEO of HSBC. And I know John really well. And in his first leadership call as CEO, came out with his vision of what he wanted to achieve as a CEO. And that was to create the healthiest human system in financial services. Now that, to me, is an example of a man being courageous, being human, and wanting to create a world for 250,000 people under his stewardship that is a better world than it is now. Most CEOs would play the safe option and say, we're going to expand into new markets or we're going to control costs. They have a playbook that they go to. John didn't go for the easy option, the safe option. His vision was to create a system in financial services where the humans that work there could be healthier and could prioritize their well-being. That is an example to me of, of a masculine trait that shows strength, that shows vision, that shows courage, and is more human. And, you know, I use a slogan in form score called Be More Human. And I think that's what we need to create. And I think men can help create a more human world for themselves, for their friends, if we're a bit more vulnerable and authentic. Yeah, it's really impressive to hear about John's story and focusing on the human aspect, the human element of the organization than the financial aspect. As we wrap up the episode, I'll leave the listeners with the banger that you just uh, shared from uh, from Ibiza. It will be a great way to just end the episode. So thank you very much for your time, for your insights, and just bringing such uplifting, upbeat moods to the conversation and to the wide range of episodes that we have on the podcast. So thank you very much Rob, for being here. Thanks, Leo. It's been an absolute pleasure. And my final bit of advice to all the listeners is keep on dancing. Exercise your right as a human and as a man to dance. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. It's been great to have a chat with Rob about music and mental health. And don't forget to check out the tunes he mentioned in the caption of this episode. But also connect with me on the socials. The links are also in the caption below. Next time, I'm talking to Kim, a Norwegian dude, about friendship. Until then, enjoy life and keep listening to Mentality Podcast.